welcome to the Biohacker's Guide for Women Only. You are listening to The Art of Becoming Wonder Woman. I am Jessica Fernandez-Cruz. And I am Yen B. Trung. Life extension, longevity, biotech, digital health technology, and prevention are all the fields of health that we've been working in for over 15 years. We've worked alongside world-renowned physicians, Nobel laureates, experts, and top biohackers. We were at the forefront of a lot of the science that is being used today for biohacking. Our mission is to bring to you all this knowledge and information and create a biohacking community for women. Join us today on our journey into biohacking our bodies. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, Wonder Women. Welcome, everybody. I hope everybody's really feeling like a Wonder Woman right now. We're very lucky today because today we have a special guest and she really is a Wonder Woman. And I'm very excited that finally I get to meet Lauren Updike, who Yevi has been talking so much about. And why don't you do the introduction, Yevi, since you know her much better than me and I'm excited to hear all about her. Hi, Jessica. Yes. Hi, everybody. Today we have Lauren Updike. She's a good friend of mine, one of my most inspirational friends that I have. I speak highly of her because not too many people get me inspired every single day like Lauren. She's most probably the one of the most positive people I've met. And the reason I have her on today was a story that she had while running the Boston Marathon. So I wanted her to share that story with the audience on our tribe Wonder Women. Just to give you a bio of who Lauren is. She heads all of wellness for the University of Washington, which encompasses over 75,000 people in the network. So she's in charge of wellness and health for a lot of people. Not only that, she's an elite athlete, a marathon runner. And there's another story of what she did on her 40th birthday. And I, I want her to share that because that's something that most people, I don't know anybody that's done this, but it's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, runs marathons. She's the strength and condition coach for a, a number of athletes and performing athletes. And so I want to introduce Lauren Updike. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. So Lauren, as I mentioned, one of the reasons why I have you on today was a story that you shared on Facebook. And when I read your story on Facebook about the, the Boston Marathon, the run that you had, it was absolutely amazing. I think about that every time I have a, you know, a hard period where I have to push through or I've ran marathons. I've kind of stopped because it's pretty tough on my body. But, you know, you're you've been doing it forever. So your body's, you know, geared for it. And when I athletically, physically, emotionally, when I'm in a, a position where I'm like, okay, this is tough, I think about Lauren, how did she get to the point where she was able to push through? And so why don't you go ahead and share that story with us, that 20th mile, I believe it was at the Boston Marathon. Yeah, no, I'd love to. I share this story a lot, actually, because I shocked myself. So back in 2017, you know, I've always been, I ran in college and I've run the Boston Marathon numerous times. And this year, I, that year, 2017, I was turning 40. So I was 39 and my best friend and I really wanted to run a personal record. So my fastest time was when I was 25 years old. So in January, we set out to, we're both running coaches and personal trainers and we each of us created a program for it for the other, and we trained our butts off. And so the week of the Boston Marathon, we were geared to go to run a 315, which 
you know, in our age, it was pretty good. And the weather prediction was crazy record hot. And so Rhonda and I had been training, um, you know, in pretty cooler temperatures, but we live in the South. So we figured we were ready. And before every race or any competition or any goal that I set with or on my own, I always go three ways. I have a dream goal, which is what I really secretly aspire to and train for. I have a realistic goal that I would be happy with. And then I'd have one of those goals that, okay, I won't like be so disappointed if I reach this goal. And Rhonda and I did the same thing. Our dream goal was 315. So we trained for a 315, which is, you know, a low seven minute mile pace. And then our realistic goal was like, okay, 325. If I don't run as fast as I did when I was 25 years old, I can, I'm okay with that. I'm 39. There's nothing wrong with running the Boston Marathon that fast. And then our okay goal was to qualify the next year. So anybody that runs the Boston Marathon, your final goal is not just to cross the finish line, it's to qualify for the next year. And we almost laughed at it, right? We had been training so hard. We're like, we're not going to get to that state mentally in the race. And long story short, at mile eight, I kind of looked at her like, oh crap, like I'm starting to wig out a bit. Like this is harder than it's supposed to feel. What's wrong with me, right? So when your body, when your physical body and your mental state are not in line, or one of them's off, it's a very slippery slope in a marathon. And Yenvi, you know this, you either run your goal time for a marathon or it's the complete opposite. It's a disaster. And you're just so grateful that you crossed that finish line. There's not very many times it's in between, right? You either kick massive butt or you like crawl across the finish line. And so mile eight, I was feeling crappy and, you know, Rhonda's trying to talk me out of it. And I said, you know, I think I just need a break from you, right? Like sometimes having someone in your face, right? And we are such good friends and, you know, we coach each other. So we kind of separated for a bit. And then she went through a mental point at mile 13. So I had to kind of walk her through that. And then, you know, at the Boston Marathon, once you hit mile 17, you start climbing. Okay. So the first 10 miles is down, which a lot of people feel like, oh, you're running downhill. That's going to be great. But it really rips your quads. And so when you start the climb up, that's when, you know, you make that decision. Are you going to keep the pace? Are you going to slow down? How do you get out of that? Like my legs are going to fall off feeling. So we climb, we climb, we climb. And I look at my watch and, you know, anybody that's running is always kind of looking at your watch to make sure you're on pace. But the Boston Marathon, it's hard because it's up, down, all around. So having a steady pace is just, it's just not possible. And so I'm doing the math in my head. And at mile 20, I looked at my best friend. I said, you realize we need to make one last decision. If we continue at this pace that we're going and this state that you and I are in, we will not qualify for the Boston Marathon. And the look on her face, right? It's just, oh, crap. You know, I have to make this decision. I looked at her and I said, and keep in mind, she's three years younger than me. And I was like, we have worked hard. We can do this, right? No more talking, no more coaching each other. You get in your zone, I get in my zone. And we did that. And keep in mind, for some reason, I have the best luck in the world when it comes to running marathons. I had left my running shoes, Yenvi, and I was with you in DC a couple of weeks before for our 10 mile race. And so I, 
took another pair of shoes and the shoes were half a size smaller. So here I am running the marathon and my feet are kind of like crunched. And so anytime Ronnie wanted to slow down or I thought about slowing down, I was so scared that if I do not keep that steady pace, I'm in trouble because my feet were cramping in my shoes. Let's imagine that right at mile 20. And you know what? That's when everything connected and we both focused on our own performance and we turned it around. We went from, you know, starting out in the low sevens to going eights to getting into the nines, right? The nine minute pace, still a great pace, but not if your goal is to run 315, okay? And to even qualify for the Boston Marathon. And when, when you say 315, you're saying three hours and 15 minutes, 26.2 miles in three hours wow. and 15 minutes. It's just crazy, right? It's crazy when, when it's not your profession or if it doesn't consume your life to be able to run that fast and, and to be able to balance your life and still be able to be a great runner is quite an achievement. So again, I'm always proud when I cross the finish line, but that one in particular, we went from nine to nine thirty minute miles back down to under eight minute miles for the last six miles. And anybody out there listening that has ever run a marathon, you know that mile 20 you have a 300 pound elephant that has jumped on your back. And if you can just hold on for the last six miles, you'll finish strong. But we were able to turn it around. We finished strong. And both of us, we, I mean, that was what, three years ago. We still to this day apply any training, any hardship, anything that requires endurance. We always talk about the day that we were able to flip the switch at mile 20 in a marathon and, you know, finish strong and achieve our goals. So. Since then, we've run it every year. This year, we did it virtually, which was kind of bizarre, but we both killed it again. Even though you've ran the the Boston Marathon before, it was just that moment when everybody can identify with when you're behind or you feel that, oh man, I'm going to lose this, right? And then you switch that mindset and get into this zone in this peak state, whatever we want to call it, flow, peak state zone, right? It's it's when everything comes together and all of a sudden you're just moving. And it could be not just, you know, from a physical athletic standpoint, but in any part of life, really, you get in that zone and things just just work. It just flows, right? Once you experience that, you you know that you can do it. And it's it's absolutely amazing. And and so having individuals like yourself, having those type of stories, everybody knows that you know, at any point, you don't have to be an athlete, but you have it in you to just make that determination goes, let's just do this, right? It's pretty amazing. It's it's absolutely amazing. And one of the things that I was listening to an interview with Radha Agrawal. And so she is the CEO and founder of Finks and a, a community called Daybreakers, right? And she said, you know, in your life, you always need, and excuse my French, a fuck yeah friend, <laughs> right? Those are the type of friends that, you know, always challenges you and always ready for that challenge that's going to be next to you. And when you have this amazing idea or this amazing thing that you want to do, you have the fuck yeah friends that says, yeah, let's do this. Right. And so you and Jessica are actually my those individuals where I'll give you an example. When I said, let's go to Fiji, Lauren's like, yeah, let's do this. And I was in Paris. And yes, it goes like, I'll meet you in Paris. <laughs> and, and let's and do a podcast. And here we are. <laughs> here we are. And Lauren's here too. And wait, and now we have a whole community of Wonder Women who are joining us and they're doing this with us. So we have a 
bigger community now of fuck yeah friends. <laughs> it's extremely exciting. And there was a so there's another experience that you had a running experience with it, with the age of 40. Could you share that experience and that story as well? Yeah, you bet. So after that great race, you know, I was approaching 40 years old and, you know, I'm always super active and fit and healthy. And my birthday's at the very end of the year, December 30th. And so around October, I was thinking about my birthday and I was thinking, wow, like this is a big deal, right? I'm turning 40. What could I do to inspire the people that I work out with and inspire some of my friends on my birthday. And so I decided to run 40 miles on my 40th birthday, which, you know, again, we talk about your fuck yeah friends, you know, I knew when I would throw it out there and not only say you're crazy, but that's why I love you because you're so crazy. Some of the things, some of the races I do, I want to go fast. I want to be that hardcore athlete. But then there's also the enjoyment of just being able to exercise with people you really love being around. And as a busy mom, you know, it's a lot of my social time is exercising with uh, my girlfriends. And so I put it out there and I said, Here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to map out an eight mile route. And if you can run a mile with me on my 40th birthday, or if you want to be at the aid station, which is at the very start, you know, every loop and just cheer me on, I I would love for you to be there. And so we had over 30 women that joined and 12 children. And so they basically just emailed or texted and told me how many miles they wanted to run with me. I made it very clear. I don't care how fast, how slow. I just want you to celebrate with me. And when we're finished, we're going to have everybody back at the house later on that night. And we're all going to get dressed up and look cute. I have my master's in exercise physiology. I've trained Ironman athletes, but like an ultra marathon, you know, that was brand new to me. So I just happened to have another mom at soccer that I knew she had run a 50 mile race. And so during training in October, I said, Hey, like, could you share with me a couple of your tips? Like if I'm going to do this, I, I need to know. And I was doing some research and she told me nutrition is key and a chaser run. And so anyway, I did some more research and I trained as much as I could and uh, I mapped it out and we did five loops in every loop we would celebrate and I would eat my gummy bears and drink Coca-Cola and chicken soup and Gatorade and granola bars. And, you know, that year, my mom had actually fallen a few months ago and broke her leg. And so her and my dad were visiting from Canada. She was still like walking with a walker and she had her like walking sticks. And so I said, mom, I want you to finish the last 200 meters with me, right? And so it was super emotional. I had all the kids in the neighborhood. My children ended up running eight miles. My husband drove, my husband drove the car so that he could drop kids off if they needed a break or pick them up if they needed a break. And so, yeah, like my son was eight years old and he ran eight miles, like with no training, just, you know, like, Again, the pace didn't matter. It was just the company. And um, a lot of my girlfriends who, you know, weren't kind of huge runners, they would jump in for a mile or two. So it was it was fun. And then we came back. And again, like I said, the key was nutrition. The last loop at mile 32, I started feeling a little bit off because I hadn't run more than 30 miles in my training. And so I just, you know, we stopped and I ate. And then we did one more loop. And it was with like my bestest friends. So 
it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. And then we all came back. We had a big party and I wore my hot, cute little dress. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like everything you do, when you make an extreme goal like that, always know that after the rest of your life, you can always look back. It's like when you have a child, right? And you're doing something hard. And you're like, I gave birth. Like I can do this. Like, women, <laughs> women are strong. And we need something to think back to, like, you know, I handled that breakup or I bounced back after not getting the job I wanted or, you know, any failure or any success, you can always, you know, you can always look back and, and um, be stronger for it. Yes. And I think just being able to always hold on to that feeling and knowing, remembering that feeling so that when you, you're in a position where you need to call back to it, these are little hacks, right? And, and this is what the, this, our, our show is about biohacking. And so these are a lot of the things that we're doing now, we can capture those moments, we can capture those ideas, those, that energy and use it. It's a shift of mindset to invigorate and use and bring back the energy so that you can refocus that energy into whatever the situation is at that moment. Right. And so one of the things that I, I really love is the flow state, studying flow state, because there's a lot of science behind, you know, getting to peak the, or, or the zone or flow state, right? Brain frequencies, neurotransmitters, it's it's a studied science. It's Maslow was one of the first ones, if you know Maslow, the hierarchy of basic needs, really. And there's so much research behind it that we use it every single day. We just don't know how and when to use it. We have these micro flows, but how do we get ourselves to a flow state when we want it? And we'll do another session later on, another podcast just on flow, because it's it's really something that I'm very passionate about. But I have a question. So when you were running during, let's just say, when you hit that 20th, did you feel different in your body and your mind when you you had to be in a flow state, for example, when you when you said, okay, the first thing in a flow state is you make that decision. I'm going to do this. So all that focus goes into achieving this goal. That's the first part of a flow state is that determination that you need to have, right? And then once that term determination starts, the neurotransmitters start focusing, moving into that. It starts aligning along with all the practice you've been doing over time, right? So everything starts piling up and layering up to basically propel you, right? And so so did you feel different? Was the energy, was the pain gone? Did you not feel the pain because you were so focused on, on just moving much faster or achieving your goal? Yeah. So I'll never forget that feeling. And it's a feeling that as an athlete, you, you seek in every race or any really hard workout. When we made that decision to go for it and pick up the pace and separate and focus, it was tunnel vision. It was complete tunnel vision. Immediately, all the pain, all the exhaustion went away. Constant positivity, self-affirmation, every mile, I can do this. I got this. I mean, I've never, I had never, honestly, I don't think I ever felt that since college, being an athlete in college. So it was really great to like feel that again. And I, I do think that the more we train or put ourselves in situations that are hard and we build that coping and that resilience and getting through it and feel successful. I think the more we train ourselves to get into that flow state when everything's straight in line. I love that. So true. We talked about that actually in one, I think one of our show, previous shows, how important it is to understand discomfort as part of 
this whole process, that it's actually your friend, not your enemy there. And that when you, like you had right there where you know, this is my enemy and I got to get rid of this to be able to focus on that. This is why my discomfort is calling me here and it's giving me signals. This is not working. This is not working. And then in the middle of that, you say, okay, this has to end. Now I'm going to focus. Let's stop the BS and go with what we need right now. And it's incredible that you guys realized that and you were able to transform it so much. The power that you get, it's it's even magical, I would say. And I and I also find very magical in your story how you tell the exact same thing in a different way when you express the story about your birthday and how everybody was with you. And I also feel it, an extreme flow state there where you're completely focused on what you're doing and this is it. You don't need anything else. And you're like right there just because of all the love and, and the energy that the people around you are giving you as well. So it's the, it's also beautiful to see how you can connect with flow state in various ways and learn from that, right? There's independent flow states and then there's collective flow state. And you've probably seen where, you know, you could be in a room where you're brainstorming with people and you guys are just shooting off creative ideas and things just start connecting and you're like, wow, this is awesome. That's a collective. And so you really did build, build that community with, you know, your your son and your daughter running eight miles alongside you, you know, that, that kind of thing. And, and people who probably didn't run, you know, more than a mile and then coming alongside you and just sharing that energy with you. So that's, that's pretty amazing as well. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they signed up for a mile or two and they ended up running double that. Right. And kind of looking at me like, I can't believe I just (sighs) did that. I was just going to ask you that. Like, how did the people change? No, they, I mean, it just, I think it just inspired them. I mean, people still talk about it. We still like, especially now, like as my birthday approaches, it's like, Oh, what's Lauren going to do now? But yeah, we just inspired each other as a community. If it's virtual, I'm going to join you. Yay! <laughs> oh boy, there's a virtual one that, that Lauren's trying to do. <laughs> one of our friends to do a 40th. Uh, <laughs> 40 mile run for her 40th. I think it's important to surround yourself with people that kind of do push you in like a, a different challenge, right? Like, I mean, Yenvi, just like we were doing, you know, for those six months of run running a mile every day. I mean, I think... You know, and our our good friend and my sister-in-law, she's going for the whole year. I know she's going for the whole year. And just being around people that can constantly inspire you and push you, it just keeps us going. Is there any time that you can say or that you can think of right now? I mean, I'm sure there's been a lot of times, but that you can think of right now where you've taken that that same mindset, that same grit and energy where you're in a different position and applied it in a different part of life that same tenacity during that mile 20 when you said, oh man, I got to turn this around right now, right? That's not athletic. That maybe our audience can also identify with just in a daily life or in, in life situ- other life situations. Absolutely. You know, my career and my job at the University of Washington, you know, we, for eight or for seven years, we were an in-person community building holistic wellness program that put on hundreds and hundreds of events for thousands of people. And then when COVID hit, we had to completely reimagine our engagement, right? We had 40,000 UW faculty and staff and students, 30,000, 40,000 students at home. So we had to really sit down as a program and a team and reimagine how are we going to engage everybody? How are we going to, you know, their well-being is more important now than ever. 
And with a ton of time and brainstorming and focus and looking at past years, what has worked, what hasn't, how can we bring what we do to a virtual setting? We went from engaging 40,000 plus a year to a record number of we're up to 80,000 people this year on virtual. You know, I teach alone. I teach a fun little 15 minute habit forming class too. I've got faculty. I've got physicians. I have nurses. I have staff. I have students. And it's thousands of people a month participating. So, and what gets me through things is, is again, going into that mindset of my athletic mindset. I think, I think we're all athletes. And I think a lot of people, especially women feel if, you know, if if they can't play a sport or if they're not fit or not as fit as they, they should be, they don't see themselves as an athlete. And I think, I think that's wrong. I think that having that athletic mindset you can apply in your job or as a mother or as a friend. And that's a never give up attitude, right? Like that's the athletic mindset. The minute it gets hard, you don't you don't throw in the towel, you don't give up. And so, you know, having to reimagine our program, we didn't give up. And now our program is is flourishing and it and it will continue to. You know what I love? What, from what you're saying, the never give up, because I associate the never give up probably with more aggressive mindset. And maybe I'm thinking maybe military approaches, you know, where you're like, just do it and it doesn't matter. It's like very more, maybe more masculine. I don't know if that's the word, but your never give up sounds so feminine when you say it. And it comes from a very loving place when I hear it. And I feel that, you know, sometimes when we think of this, it sounds like it's going to be so tough and hard and horrible. And the idea of never give up can actually be the most loving experience in your life, really. Yeah. And I think, you know, never giving up, like for me, when I coach my team of uh, at University of Washington, you know, I think the number one leadership attribute is being completely transparent and not always claiming to be the expert or always having all your shit together. You know, like I looked at my team, we're all on Zoom. I'm like, I don't know how the hell we're going to do this, but you know what? How can we change our mindset to see this as an opportunity? There's an opportunity that the people that used to not be able to attend our events or our seminars because they couldn't take a lunch break. Well, guess what? They're home. Like maybe, maybe we can engage people in other times of the day or other ways. So yeah, I mean, it, you know, again, it was kind of freak out mode for a couple of weeks, <laughs> but I think being transparent and, and saying, you know, we got this, we got to figure it out. And you know, what I, I love as well is that it's not just the, at the moment give up, but even before you had a vision and you had an intention right before you started the race or every race, you already know what you, you want to get done. You, you know what you want to get out of it, right? And so you go in there expecting to have a result of some type as opposed to if it happens, it happens. And that's part of, you know, um, not just flow state, but just hitting goals. Right. Every morning it's where you apply it to, to life itself. Every single morning you wake up and we just started doing this with my seven year old daughter is what's your intention for today? What do you want to happen? Do you, how do you want to feel today? Right. What do you want to get out of today before she, you know, watch my little pony while eating breakfast or doing anything? I'm like, OK, let's talk about what do you want to get today? What do you want to get out? And it's it's setting the, that mindset and also just getting in the habit of setting your intention, whether it's micro or it's for a big 
opportunity, a big event. But your mind, you end up getting in a habit of always thinking that way, setting intention out of you know the things that you you want to get done, as opposed to just going through the day or going through life of of okay, something happened to me instead of I did it. Right, I wanted that to happen to me. So that's you know you've had that habit and you've applied it in in such a large way to to have these you know to, to win marathons or run these crazy marathons and <laughs> forty miles you know so it's it's pretty amazing. <laughs> it is congratulations on that, Lauren. And well, I could see like now I want to get to know you much much better. So I do hope we get the opportunity to meet one day in person. <laughs> But um, I wanted to ask you also some questions, uh, something more around what you do and and maybe so that you can give some tips to our audience for the people who are now engaging into the habit of having like a a good exercise routine towards that athlete condition that we're trying to reach. And what you mentioned something that that I think we don't know, you know, not everybody's in the same age range, but it's true that when you're hitting 40, when you're that in that age range and you're not really in the habit of, of this workout, you feel maybe too old for it, right? And so what would you say is the starting point and how do we engage with it to love it? <laughs> Well, my first comment would be you're never you're never too old. It's never too late. You can always read those stories of that 70-year-old that started walking and then went into running and now has the record for the 100 meter. But you're 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 never too old. What I would say and what I've been learning and researching and you know through mentoring so many people at University of Washington and just in general inspiring people to move just a little bit more is number 1 the days that you don't want to work out, if you do work out, those are the most rewarding. Those are the ones where you feel super badass because you know what? You had no intention to do it because you weren't in a place, a mental state to do it. So try just a little bit harder and know that the first five minutes are just putting on your shoes or just clicking on that Zoom, right? To join that Zoom exercise class. That's the hardest part of the workout is just kind of initiating that first action to do it. Second is start out small. You know, this is not this is not a sprint. Anybody that's wanting to change their exercise habit, this is your marathon. And starting out small, you do not need to exercise an hour a day. You know, a lot of us either go go cold turkey on something or all in <laughs> on something else. And that that is just not sustainable. You know, having these crazy goals is great, but making it part of your life and part of your lifestyle, part of your habit requires you to see where you can fit it in. And I always tell people, you look at your day and you see your window of opportunity. I know when my window of opportunity is. And that it, when I used to drop my children off, that was by the time I dropped them off and before I started work, I had an hour. And that was my, and if I did not do it then, it wasn't happening after school because I'd get a phone call or I'd be cooking dinner or I'd be taking my children to all of their activities. You know, for those of you listening, I am that crazy mom that is driving my kids all over to all of their things. I have the full-time job and I have the personal training, you know, so they're, I'm very busy. And so finding that window of opportunity, and even if it's just that 15 minutes, that is your time, that is your movement. And then lastly is finding something that, you know, you enjoy in the beginning. And then you get into the habit of doing something that you enjoy. And then that is going to open up the door of, wow, that 15 minutes really makes a difference in how I feel and how I perform. 
and how I am. And so then naturally that goes from 15 minutes to 25 to then 30. And now you're empowered. Like this is my time. And, and I'm so much better because of it. And then finally you see the results and that's where you get into the never give up attitude because in the beginning you really don't see those physical results. And I think people really struggle with that. And they're like, well, I'm spending all this time and I'm taking time. I don't, you know, um, <laughs> it's just being super patient and you get better, right? You get better 1% a day. And, you know, after a few months, you really start to feel and see those results. And then when you get into, you know, wanting to take it to the next level, we talked about before is, is being uncomfortable, right? And so pushing yourself, if you're exercising, whether it's strength training or running or biking, the minute it gets uncomfortable, a lot of us stop because we don't like that feeling. But if you continue just a little bit longer, each time you continue just a little bit longer, you'll start to build that resilience and that coping and that mental state of being tough mentally. And then again, you can apply that to other things, your relationships, your job, you know, trying to balancing your home or managing your home, you, you end up getting more endurance, right? You have that stamina and kind of that badass mentality. And a sense of confidence, right? Like as a woman, I feel like you're with your, I hear a woman with your high heels stepping strong, you know, like I'm coming in and here I am. But also what I wanted to ask you too is, you know, what would you say to women, and especially this is a woman question, what I find also sometimes difficult is when we're in our cycle and it's difficult to, you know, you feel very tired and, you know, you go up and down with your hormones sometimes. For me, exercise, what I've discovered, and this is like the contradiction in it, right? Like that day is really the day you need to exercise because it's actually going to switch your body completely. So what, what is your advice for them? So that is honestly, for me, it's a really hard time too, especially as I'm, as I'm getting older and it's kind of all out of whack. I think finding something, still finding that time for yourself, you know, it may not be the hardest workout, but maybe it's you going out for a walk or maybe it's meditation or maybe it's yoga or maybe it's reading a book, you know, spending that time. But there's also, there's also some exercises that you can do for, you know, helping with menstrual cramps or I try to stay really hydrated that week. And, you know, to be honest, that first five minutes, no matter what state you're in or where your cycle is, it is always the hardest part and you always come back better. So whether if, if you get up to a point where you're exercising 30 minutes a day and then you get your cycle and you know it's going to wipe you out, go for 15, right? And I think it's important to have some self-compassion and, and have grace that when you, you know, you're not always going to be superwoman, that's not life. So it's okay to kind of take a step back and relax and know that you're going to bounce back. And, and I think knowing that up front, you know, is, is a good way to stay in front of kind of feeling like a failure because, you know, you, you had a setback. I mean, that that's life. Just like in my marathon setbacks, there was a setback at mile eight, a setback at mile 13, and then we kept going. So again, it's our life as women throughout the years, it's just this long marathon. And we're just all trying to, to stay healthy and well and feel it, feel successful. And knowing that there's going to be these ups and downs and barriers. I mean, I don't know. We have it a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> Women, we just drink more coffee and have water. What about this? I can do that. 
I always find that when you push yourself, you're, you're the, the type of individual that pushes yourself hard all the time and your body starts to show signs that, you know, that you need rest. Right. And it's not being the, the person that criticizes yourself or judge yourself or feel guilty for not always being a hundred percent or 200 or a thousand percent every single day. Right. Recognizing that that comes with a lot of self-awareness. And that was our, one of our episodes was knowing how to report your own awareness basically. And so every single day I write a log every day, you know, because in a month, I know around that time what I can expect as well. And when I look at that log, I say, it's normal. It's going to happen. It's not something out of the normal. I'm fatigued or I, I really need to rest today because I know it's coming. And and then seeing that and saying, okay, well, I know it's coming. Is there anything I can do to prevent it this time around? Right. But not, not being surprised by it. And I feel guilty about it and being upset at yourself for the fact that that you couldn't go to this meeting or go to this exercise class, right? Because it just, it's part of life, right? But being aware and then, and knowing what's coming. This should be a whole episode, actually. <laughs> We should think of making a whole episode on this. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. So, well, Lauren, it's it's been so great having you on this show. I mean, I think you inspired a lot of a lot of our listeners, our, our audience, you know, the tribe of women, I think after this, they're going to be like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to find my fuck yeah friends. <laughs> Along with this tribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, like, positivity attracts positivity, right? And negativity attracts negativity. So I think, you know, whether you surround yourself with positive people or not, if you can be that positive person, it's amazing how People don't have to tell you that you inspire them. You can just tell that you inspire them. And so for me, if I can just, you know, inspire one, one woman or one person on this call today, I will take that as a win and success. So thank you for having me. Before we end, I, I wanted to ask if there was any takeaways for our audience, just a tidbit of information that they could just walk away with to take that next step up, you know, of in their life or get them into the zone, whatever the, whatever it is that you want to leave with them? I think number one would be set goals along the way and try to improve yourself at least 1% each day and do something for yourself that is towards that goal. And then number two, in order to really reap those benefits of success or get into that state of, I call it being a badass, You guys call it flow state. I think it's being uncomfortable, right? Like put yourself in uncomfortable situations and, you know, even be that role model for your kids too. I think, again, going back to it builds resilience and that coping skills and that strong mentality to have that mindset, that athletic mindset. So exercise uncomfortable just a little bit every so often. And then consistency, right? Even if you get knocked down, you stay consistent, you get back up and you, you know, every setback, there's always a room for comeback. So I haven't always qualified for the Boston Marathon after my two kids. It took me five years, five years. And I did not, a lot of people in my uh, running group, they quit, right? Like you fail once. It's like, maybe I shouldn't run anymore. And I, I'm a proven testament that I now run just as fast as I did when I was 25. And I never thought I could do that again. So a hard five years, but I still did it. I still, you know, can't be, you can't be scared of failure. Um, failure, you learn 
and you regroup and it allows you time to, to really map out a new direction. So that is awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren. That was definitely an inspirational conversation. You guys will give you some links so that you can read more about what Lauren does and learn from her. Uh, you can see that on our Facebook page. And thank you, Yemi, for introducing me to this amazing person. Thank you, guys. See you in a couple of days. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Art of Becoming Wonder Women, the podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community. If you haven't yet, join our private Facebook page and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another Wonder Women conversation. Our podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any question you may have regarding a medical condition.